0: Well, last week we uh, had a bit of an overview and we spoke about those five main characters of the book of Esther. I wonder if people can remember them. It's not a test. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up and recite them now. Um, But we talked about the big king, the big chief, Xerxes. Uh, He was a main player, a main part in the story of Esther. And one of the first things that this all powerful king uh, does in this story is to throw a party. But this isn't just any old party. Charlie and Hannah got married last week and they parted into the early hours of Saturday night, and so they should. They've, they've just been married. That's a great party. This man parted for 180 days, people. Hardcore. Legend. Hardcore that he was just a mess. And that's what we read about him in Esther 1 verses 3 and 4. In the third year of his reign he gave a banquet for all his nobles just an unlimited supply of sausage rolls for 180 days. A buffet the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. He invited everybody, whoever he could, to get through the doors. For a full 180 days, he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. He did this for the only thing, to show how glorious he was, to display his own glory, to take people, to take, take delight on in who he was. And then, 180 days later, we read that he decides to ask Vashti, another character in this story. Vashti was his wife for that moment to come, not just to say hello, but to entertain his guest, to flaunt herself, for him just to display, look how I am, like the the original trophy wife, I guess. But actually, she's got a bit of common sense on her, which you can't knock her, you can't blame her, and she refuses. And so she should. Put your hand up. So she should, my word. So being the lovely man that he is, he decides to banish Vashti forever. What a lovely story. Poor Vashti. Hey. In verses 22, he says, He sent dispatches to all parts of his kingdom, to each province in its own script and to each people in their own language, proclaiming that every man should be ruler over his own household using his native tongue. So he's, a, he's an angry man, Xerxes, and you can imagine his wife of that time saying, no, I'm not going to come and perform for you. I'm not a trick monkey donkey, whatever you want to say. And his pride is hurt. And so he goes, right, I'm going I'm to write an edict and uh, every man, blah, 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 should be ruler over his own household. Imagine it, he's just all this great king being kicked in the head by his wife, and his pride is hurt. So he lashes out, doesn't he? He lashes out and says, Oh, every man should be ruler. What a load of nonsense. And this was his rule being stamped over all the kingdom. That's the world in which Esther lived. She was young, she was vulnerable. She was displaced. Here she was in a land where the king aggressively asserted domineering rule in every house. And then if you think about the brutality of Haman, the baddie, everyone give him a baddie's welcome. Yeah. His plot was to annihilate the whole Jewish people. Madness. Why? Because he didn't like Mordecai, another man who just couldn't handle it. had to lash out. A sweeping act of genocide. Do you know, if anything, the book of Esther presents us with a world like ours. There's nothing new going on today. I love scripture. You read through scripture and you see the story and the truth that it beholds. And it paints a picture. And we carry it forward in today and we see exactly the same things going on. Persia was ruled heavily. The wealthy few were extremely wealthy while most of the people lived in extreme poverty. Women and children were cast aside. Brutality was commonplace. The world and its systems were broken. We don't need to look for long to see the same brokenness in the world in which we live. The threat of hunger is real even if you've got a job the threat of hunger is real and it's on our doorsteps lack of clean water modern day slavery even yesterday morning we met two guys that would've been rescued out of slavery that had ended up on the streets yesterday morning in bournemouth there's oppression there's war there's poverty there's inequality there's homelessness there's a lack of education It's a broken world. There's no two ways about it. We don't need to paint a a glorious picture, and I don't want to paint a negative picture, but our world is broken. And many of us react very differently when we come face to face with brokenness. Esther can teach us some valuable lessons. And I think the biggest has to be at some point, we must choose God's purposes over our own comfort. We have to say, I can be part of the solution. When the edict had been given from Haman, people were in fear of their lives. And at first, Esther kept quiet. Esther hid her identity for very good reasons. She didn't want to die. Can't blame her, can you? She knew that if she had spoken up, She would have been sent off with the rest of the people. Such was the threat of annihilation. Verse 20. Esther had kept her family background and nationality just as Mordecai had told her to do. For she continues to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. But then Mordecai asked her to speak to the king. And understandably Esther was full of fear. She says this in chapter 4 verse 11. All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the golden scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. She didn't want to go. But then she comes around and she makes a decision. And she says, I can. I can be part of this solution. Again in chapter 4, verses 15. Esther sent his reply to Mordecai. This reply. Gather. Gather together all the Jews are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights or days. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And so Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Mordecai and Esther began to rise up. They made a decision. This is about God. This isn't about us anymore. And remember that Mordecai and Esther were a displaced people. They didn't exactly behave and appear to be practicing Jews. They didn't go to the temple. They didn't want to show who they were. They weren't the most devout. They weren't the most holy. They weren't the most righteous people. But something in their lives in those moments changed when they made a decision. I can do something here. I can be part of the solution. This is about God and his people. They decided to be part of the solution. And if we live with a mindset that our problems are bigger than our God, we will stay still. This brokenness around us will grow and grow and grow. However it looks, whatever you decide to think of right now, when I say to you a broken world, You can pinpoint it in a million ways. But when we decide to watch it happen in front of us, all that will happen is it will grow. If we fail to look for solutions and opportunities and we're overshadowed by the past and our problems, we will stay the same. How many of us have prayed for God to help? that person or God to answer that prayer for someone else and we've just kind of threw it over to God and waited for him to answer that prayer but we are the answer to that prayer. Don't get me wrong. One man, one woman, one church. They're not going to heal all the brokenness in this world. but They can have a go. They can have a go. We don't have all the answers. We don't have all the solutions, but we can play our part and we can decide to have a go. Just thinking back of the final of the Rugby World Cup with England and South Africa, and I'm not sure that England decided to have a go that morning. I think they'd already rolled over. (laughs) Have we already rolled over? Are we already sat in the mindset thinking, not my problem. I'll just live in my little comfortable house and just watch it fade away because one day I'm not going to be here. I don't know about you, but we don't need any more people. We don't need any more commentaries. We don't need any more problem compiling people. I'm reminded of Harry Enfield. And all these characters, and I wonder if when I speak about someone being a, a problem-compiling person, if you remember the person that I'm thinking of, the bloke that would walk up to someone and go, "You don't want to do it like that." You remember? You want to do it like this?" That's a very bad impersonation. But we don't need any more people to write any more books and to give us their opinion of the brokenness of this world. We need more people to stand up and say, we are going to do something about the brokenness in this world. I don't need to read media after media after media reminding me of the corruption in this world. I want to see people take a stand for this world. We need, our communities need, our land needs, your church needs, those who make a decision to have a go, to be solution-minded. There's no problem that we should be in fear of today. There's no problem that can't be solved today. There is always a way. I don't know about you, but I take Energy from those people around me that say, We can, we will, let's have a go. When you start talking about the challenges of life, the challenges of ministry, the challenges of leadership, and you are faced with, No. I don't know about you, but I just want to walk and close the door and go and stick my head in a bucket. We need more people to say, We can change this, we will change this, we can have a go. Do you know England? I'll go back to rugby for a minute. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not bitter. <laughs> four years ago, England didn't make it out of the pool, and they hosted the World Cup. Okay, the Rugby World Cup was in England four years ago. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm, I am like right that. Four years ago, and we didn't get out of the pool that we were in. We did have. We had no idea what we were doing. And then English rugby did something very, very drastic. They appointed an Australian. That's not good. But he was the right man for the job at the right time. Why? Because he said, we can change this team to be the number one team in the world. He didn't walk in there and go, oh, the problem is we've got no defence and oh, we're never going to do anything. He made a decision we can fix this. We will fix this. And bit by bit, he had a go. And he addressed everything that he could at, his, at the time, bit by bit. He didn't try to fix everything at the same time. He addressed one part, and then another part, and then another part. And we were all over the place. At some, and people were looking at English rugby, think they don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're going. We lost. I think we came bottom, apart from Italy, in the Six Nations. We lost five games in a row. And everybody was gloating and everybody was getting their own back on the England. But bit by bit, Eddie Jones, this Australian, said, we can fix this. We're going to have a go. And the transformation in a side that couldn't get out of the pool four years ago to a team that got into the final, admittedly, didn't happen. But it took somebody, an Australian... Mm. to say we can do something and transform the English rugby team. That transformation can happen in any problem, in any situation, in any addiction, in any place of brokenness where someone makes a decision and says, I can, I can change this. You don't have to be a slave to sin. You don't have to be a slave to addiction. If you make a decision, I can change this, you will change this. This isn't rocket science. It's just a matter of life. Esther and Mordecai said, we can. That's why we're here. We can. Will you decide to be part of the solution or more Of the problem. It would be very easy to feel inadequate and no good. Obviously, we look at ourselves and you think God will use someone else rather than use me because I am broken and I've made mistakes and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But no, God will use you if you are willing. There's no hoop that you have to jump through this morning for God to use you. He did it all on a cross and invites you to come to Him through Jesus this morning. You can be part of the solution. With whatever you have going on in your life right now, it's enough for God to use you. Whatever you have in terms of power in your life, whatever in your job role, in your description, whatever you have in terms of position, wherever you are, wherever you're working, whatever you're involved in, Wherever you find yourself, whether you're studying, whether you're, you're, you're working full time, whether you're unemployed, you're voluntary, volunteering, whatever resources you have at your the disposal for good or for evil, God can use you. And you have to decide this morning to do good. Decide to be solution-minded. The brokenness of this world. Esther and Mordecai had an opportunity. They could have rolled over and said, that's not my problem. They could have sat back and said, I'm not enough for this. I'm just going to protect myself and stay in my own little comfort zone. But they made a decision. And They said to themselves, I can, we will. And they got involved. Those who live in relationship with God have a head start in bringing wholeness to a broken world. If you are in relationship with God this morning, whether you feel intimate with God and you're at the mountaintop this morning, or whether you feel you're in the valley of life this morning, but you have a relationship with God, you have a head start in bringing wholeness to this world. The brokenness of this world can only be solved by one thing and one thing alone. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The broken people around us in this world can only be fixed by one thing and one thing only. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have a head start if we know Jesus this morning. Why? Because found people find people. Redeemed people bring redemption to people. Healed people heal people. We've said it a million times before. If you are hurting, you're going to hurt. But if you experience healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, physical healing, you will be a person who brings healing. God has called you and saved you and redeemed you. For such a time as this. Right now. Wherever you are. For such a time as this. We are all stewards of the grace and mercy and forgiveness that we have experienced ourselves. Freely you receive. Now freely you give. This is the gospel in action. People say. Christianity is just about doing good. No, it's not. It's about, about, first and foremost, it's about a relationship with Jesus. But a relationship with Jesus will transform you and compel you and move you to bring healing to a broken world. It has to. God transforms your heart. He uses your past experiences. He places you in situations in front of people where you go, Oh, that's why. A few weeks ago, walking around Estonia in a men's rehab, I'm like, this is why he saved me. When I'm sat talking to a soldier who's 45 years old, suffering with PTSD, drinking freely as a vodka a night, and I'm able to say, there is a way, there is hope, there is life. The light comes on in my head. This is is why he saved me. And you will find yourself in front of those people that you connect with on a a deeper level because you've been where they've been. You've seen what they've seen. You've experienced what they've experienced. And you can connect with them and you can say there is a way, there is hope. There is life and his name is Jesus. God calls us prepares us as trophies of grace like we spoke about a few weeks ago to do good works, to display the glory of the Father. Say, look what God did. We are all trophies of grace this morning. God is at work in your life this morning. Whether this is the first time you've walked into this church or whether you've been here for 20 years, God is at work in your life this morning. How do I know that? Because you're here and you're in his house and you are welcomed We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And when we're citizens, we have all authority to speak on the king's behalf. As citizens, we can speak with boldness for God's purposes. It's not about you. It's about him and his kingdom. And so when you see people hurting, or when you see people being oppressed, it's your right, it's your authority to speak up. That's wrong. That's wrong. Whatever you see around you, you can say, no, that's wrong. It's not right. Do something about it. Jody came out with us for the first time yesterday morning on the bacon run. and You can say, well, I'm prepared to go out on the bacon run. But until you've walked the bacon run and you've sat with those guys and you hear their stories and you connect with them, that's when you realise there's injustice in the world. That's when you realise there's broken people in this world and they're on the streets of Bournemouth. And you can see situations that have led them to a place that they're in need. Nothing will speak to you like being face to face with brokenness. But there, there's this thing in you and every, every Saturday that you're out, you walk away and you think, I don't know if we've done enough. Because you want to pick everybody up and you want to take them to your home and you wanna give them cups of tea and you wanna spoil them, but we can't. But we know that we met hungry people yesterday morning. Two people had not eaten for two days. And here we are. I emptied all my chocolate biscuits for them. That's all I could give them. Here you go. They got bacon sandwiches, coffee, and chocolate biscuits. They were starving. And everything in me wants to take him to McDonald's, but it's rubbish food. You need 20 Big Macs, not one. There's a thing in us. Sometimes we address it and sometimes we ignore it. As citizens of the kingdom of heaven, there is something in our hearts that will stand up for injustice. We are charged, we are compelled, we are commanded to stand up for it whatever situation we find that is not aligned with the purposes of God, we should be the first to say no. And I'm thankful for the men and women of God in times past that have stood up and said no. We're doing something about it. Our NHS is here because someone said no. Not having it. This is what it should be like. Charities all over the world, People standing up and saying, no, we're going to do something about it. God commands his people in the book of Micah. Micah says, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? And God says this, to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. There are some incredible ministries going on all all around the world that stand on the front line of injustice. It's not our place to say it's someone else's problem anymore. It's staring at you in in your face. It's your problem. It's our problem because we're right there. Just like Esther, for such a time as this. It's not about taking the law into your own hands or being a nuisance, but it's about passionately seeing the injustices of this world eradicated by allowing God's kingdom and values to be worked out through you. It's all about putting it on the line for what you believe in. Perhaps the most powerful thing that Esther said was this, if I perish, I perish. She'd made that decision. I'm going for it. I can do something about it. And she said those words, if I perish, I perish. At all cost, in other words. I'm going to line myself with God's purposes today and serve him. A statement of intent. I'm going to fight for this because I believe in it. Esther was after was more valuable than anything else it was her people a displaced people she had to stand and make a decision i'm going to seize the moment i'm going to grab the opportunity i'm going to be solution minded and it was god's purposes she wasn't holding anything back what are you holding on to this morning What are you holding on to this morning that is holding you back? Luke 9. Famous words of Jesus. A charge for us this morning as apprentices of Jesus. It's all we are as Christians. He is our rabbi. He's our teacher. We are his students. This is number one. This is Christianity 101. If you profess to be a follower of Jesus this morning, you need to lose your life. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. You have been bought for this morning by the blood of Jesus. For his purposes. It cost him everything. And he asks you for something. What are you holding on to that will keep you back? Is it fear? Is it regret? Is it mistakes? Is it an addiction? There can be a million things that we will hold on to. But God, this morning, asks you, lose it. Let it go. Maybe it's just the comfort of your own home. Maybe you can't bear, and I'm just saying this as an example, but maybe you can't bear the fact of getting up on Saturday morning at six o'clock in the morning because it's cold. Maybe that is it, your little bit of comfort. I get it. I understand it. We can be so selfish at times with our own comfort. We forget that there's a world out there that have got no roof over their head. They're sleeping on cold floors. They've got no food. You can't get out of your bed on a Saturday morning for a couple of hours, put your coat on, get involved. I'm not, I'm not throwing fingers at anybody, but I'm using it as an example. How we become so locked up in our own comfort. Our own comfort. Nine times out of ten, it's our comfort that keeps us from doing anything. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the uncertainty. Give all of your availability, your energy, your passion, your gifts, your resources to the causes that you believe in. Especially when those causes are connected to eternity and securing a brighter destiny for people through the good news of the gospel not just about putting a sticky plaster on the problem and hoping that it will go away. I'll chuck a fiver at it. It'll go away. This is about seeing the kingdom of light break into the kingdom of darkness and eradicating brokenness and bring ultimate healing. This is the gospel that we're asked and charged with.